The following podcast contains spoilers for both Bomb City and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. You've been warned. everybody to KFR News Radio. This is Glenn here, talking along here with Miguel, otherwise known as Mike, back in the Pennsylvania uh, States. I, I How you doing, I buddy? like Miguel. I, I, I like Miguel. How are you doing? Oh, well, uh, Glenn says hello. Glenn. Glenn, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's so up, buddy? How you doing? I'm pretty good. How about you? Oh, fantastic. How, how was your turkey day, huh? Listen, I just had it. Right before we were oh, speaking. Oh, I know. That's why I'm asking. How was it? This, oh my God, it was delicious. I've never made delicious before. Well, it was actually pretty good for yeah. my first time, at least. I could use some work. Yeah. <clears throat> I've never anyway. cooked anything. I, I burned queso once. That's the thing. Queso. Yeah. I, I, all Jeez you have to do is melt it. Spanish listeners. All you have to do is melt it, and I burnt it. <laughs> so last week we discussed. They'll Love Me When I'm Dead and Outlaw King. And as you know, Outlaw King became the first movie to ever go on the KFR shelf. It did. I was actually yes. really surprised. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed that. But uh, th- that's not what we're talking about this week. This week, <laughs> we're talking about two movies, Bomb City and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. But before we get into that, Glenn, is there any... Uh, movies you saw last week that you would like to talk about well honestly i didn't really watch any movies i was planning on seeing creed this weekend oh i forgot that came out but man i didn't even get on that literally i don't think i've seen anything i've been watching some tv shows however oh yeah Uh, any uh, what tv shows so this is is one you're probably not going to be interested but in castlevania it used to be a video game back in its prime Still is, but it, back in its prime, it used to be definitely a video game. Hmm. Uh, Castlevania, it is a basically anime. Not really like cringy anime, just like Netflix series. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really good. It's actually uh, so far very uh, well adapted from a video game. It might actually be the best uh, video game adaptation. Yeah, I've, I saw, uh, including the movies that we watched for this episode i watched seven movies last week and <laughs> realized i have no life uh hey man yeah. movies are life movies are life but yeah just to name them i saw uh widows the steve mcqueen movie with uh viola davis liam neeson michelle oh, rodriguez how was it how was it uh compared Jeez. to steve mcqueen's other work it is okay Oh, okay. You can definitely tell it was a one for you, one for me kind of movie for him, where he was making yeah. it for the studios. Um, still pretty good, but you know, compared to Twelve Years a Slave, it was uh, a whole yeah. bunch of uh, you know typical stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I would definitely recommend that. I saw uh, Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Kira was thinking about dragging me to it, but then I was oh, like, yeah. "Listen, girl, I haven't." I haven't seen the other one. Yeah. I have not. But I also saw uh, Boy Erased. Yeah. Uh, the the Is movie that the about... the one with uh, Russell Crowe and... Uh, Russell Crowe. Nicole Lucas, Kidman. Lucas Hedges, Nicole Kidman. Um, and uh, directed by Joel Egerton, or Edgerton. Oh. We still... That's still a mystery to us. As I, what I it's, say Edgerton just because it makes him sound edgy. 
I say Edgerton because it sounds like what a normal person would be named. Um, <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure it's Edgerton. Not 100%, yeah. but I'm cool. like, I think I saw, never mind, forget it. I saw an interview, <laughs> but I could have sworn he said Edgerton. It but could now be I'm second guessing. The, you know, those Australians are really, really weird like that. They're edgy. Uh, and then today I actually saw two movies before this. Uh, I saw A Private War with uh, Rosamund Pike and um, Jamie Dornan, who was actually surprisingly good in it. Jamie Dornan of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey fame. Yep. Um, but I'd never seen him in something that wasn't... I, I mean, I haven't even seen Fifty Shades of Grey, but I, I've seen enough of it to know <laughs> that he like, is acting... We're here, we're here to tell the truth. <laughs> okay. It's my favorite movie ever. Um <laughs> But yeah, he was actually like really good in it, really uh, had a very deep character and wasn't just, you know, one-sided rich man with sexy abs. He was so much more than that. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, and then the final movie I saw today was The Front Runner, uh, starring Hugh Jackman, uh, directed by Jason Reitman. Oh, yeah. Um, about the uh, Democratic candidate of uh, 1988, who pretty much... His campaign gets derailed when he's caught having an affair. Uh, kind of yeah, deep. Yeah, I think uh, I think Kira wanted to see that one. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. You know, I mean, she'll probably really like it because it's about politics and stuff. Yeah, that's the main um, reason. Kind of, I don't know. It, 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 I like that it didn't show that he was. Uh, you know me. I, I don't like it when movies make it seem like someone's perfect. And like me, make, like yeah, like it showed that. Yeah, you're perfect. <laughs> it, it showed uh, both sides of the story, like why the um, reporters were so hard on him, yeah, and then also you know him being a dick to them and all that, and, and also him being attacked, his family being attacked, all that that kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so that's it. Well, I, I always feel like a, I see not a bad selection. It sounds like yeah, it's pretty decent, terrible one. But anyway, would you like to introduce our first film, Glenderman? Oh, man, which, which one should we do first, actually? Do alphabetical order, Bomb City. <laughs> I mean, I, is that alphabetical? Cause, uh, that, is, that is alphabetical. B-A versus B-O? Yeah. L-M-N-O-P-Q-R-S-T-U. Yeah, there you go. So O is first. Are you going off of Buster Scruggs or Ballad of Buster Scruggs? Oh, yeah, I was going after Boom. Buster Scruggs. See? Boom, you know what? You, you, Welcome uh, to the you alphabet. You told me. Anyway, let's just go with Bomb City. <laughs> <laughs> Destroy everything. Is this the message we want to send our children for generations to come? Destroy everything. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a case about diversity or tolerance. This case is about a game of young men who chose a lifestyle designed to intimidate those around them, to challenge authority, and to provoke a reaction from society itself. 
Directed by uh, Jameson Brooks, starring uh, Dave Davis and Luke Shelton. There's a couple more people in there, but that's that's kind of the two mains. Oh, one group uh, of Lorelai uh, Linklater, who is kind of barely in it, but that's Richard Linklater. I mainly uh, uh, didn't want to say that because that was quite a uh, tongue roll that you just did there. Lorelai Linklater. Lorelai Linklater. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a. But yeah, she's uh, uh, Richard Linklater, who directed uh, Boyhood and uh, Days and Confused. Yeah, it's, really? it's his daughter. Yeah. Okay. She's actually in Boyhood, too. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, starring Dave Davis, Luke Shelton, and Laura Lyalea. <laughs> Later. Uh, a group of punk rockers trying to live about their lives every day. But because of the way they look, a group of high school jocks decides they want to provoke them and bully them. It's only a matter of time before one of the groups snaps. It's essentially, it's... it's Based on a true story, uh, from what I've read, it's uh, pretty. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it follows the the true story pretty well. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it, it's it's about like in in Texas in the late '90s, there's like this this up and coming punk scene, um, and and they were kind of clashing. If, if shocker, Texas <laughs> is a conservative area. Really? Um, yeah. So it was essentially just like the punk rockers clashing with mainly the the teenagers in the town. I mean, I'm sure the adults didn't care for them either, but yeah. it, it it focuses on the the high the the jocks and the it's kind of like the whole jock versus punk kid mm-hmm. um, thing. But it's based on a true story that unfortunately led to the death of a uh, uh, 19 year old. Um, I mean, I don't, I want to I don't want to say kid because I don't want to belittle him, but. <laughs> Uh, he's yeah. like 20, 20 something, I think. No, he was 19 when he died. Well, uh, was he? Um, yeah, yeah. His name is Brian Dennehy. He was, uh, you know, just out of high school. Um, kind of, I don't know if this is true, but in the movie, he's like trying to start like a punk rock club and, you know, actually has aspirations other than just hanging out and listening to music, getting drunk and all that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a very unfortunate story. And quite a heavy movie, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, it really is. Uh, uh, The the first thing I really noticed is um, I don't know how much you know about school shootings, but I have done a lot of research on them for projects and stuff that uh, are coming up but not yet cannot be yet be discussed. I was about to say, Mike, what are you... uh <laughs> what are you getting at here? Can you calm down? <laughs> no, film film projects, so I <laughs> okay, can't say anything good, else. Good, good, good. But anyway, uh, so I, I did a lot of research about Columbine. I watched a bunch of documentaries about Columbine and um, what the shooters of Columbine called the people that they really wanted to target. Um, they called them white hats because they were like this this kind of clique that wore all wore white hats. And yeah. uh, they do that in this movie, too, where it's like all the jocks wear white hats. And I'm not sure if that is a you know something that actually happened in uh, th- the real story with uh, in in Amarillo, Texas. Yeah, but uh, I, I thought that was a uh, at least for people who are in the know a good way to kind of show compare. compare. Yeah, not not they're, they're by no means are comparing the punk yeah. rockers. Two of the shooters not, are Columbine. They're not, they're not school shooters at all. Or yeah, I mean, I mean, the they're word. they're violent, but it's more like mutual violence than it is yeah. one-sided violence. Um, so I, I don't know if that was you know a choice on their part, but I, I thought it was it was a pretty interesting uh, kind of set the tables to really kind of show like 
in the most generic terms, these are two clicks. Yeah. Um, they both have, you know, people on both sides. Oh, I just sound like Donald Trump. People, I'm sure there's good people <laughs> on both sides. Um, but look uh, at my hands. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, I, I, I like that. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, don't know if it was uh, accurate to the story. Maybe, may have been. The '90s were a weird time. I'll, I'll be straightforward. I didn't know this was a real story right until the ending. Oh yeah, I, I knew going in, which yeah, I, kinda, I was. I'm kind of glad because it made me more interested in the long run. But yeah, I mean, after this was like again, like I'm not saying this is like Outlaw King in any way, but like afterwards, I'm like, oh shit, I, I, I gotta, I gotta look this up. I gotta read about it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that was that was cool. So like for, for the whole ride along, I, th- I thought it was just a really good story. Yeah, and then and then once the ending popped up, I was like, oh. <laughs> oh no yeah yeah uh i i actually thought i mean i i know you listen to heavier music uh yeah. i don't know if you do as much as i do but i i am a, i'm not a punk i don't listen to punk rock but i i'm a metalhead uh, yeah i listen to, i listen to some punk rock yeah i mean i listen to punk too but i i would consider myself more of a metalhead than anything uh yeah, more more so in tastes and you know t-shirts than maybe the whole lifestyle <laughs> but uh i the one thing that always kind of bugs me is people who see mosh pits and think oh that's violent you know yeah. they're, they're just beating each other up but the thing that uh the director does uh in this um jameson brooks the first one of the first segments he shows is a mosh pit intercut with a football game and just yeah. showing the violence of both and how like one is accepted widely the other is is mm-hmm. like frowned upon and i thought that was just absolutely brilliant like he just really he he really kind of shows how both are just kind of ways of uh releasing tension and uh, you know expressing some oneself and all that and yeah it's you know, even great because like they even they even show like people in the mosh pit like having fun with each other like it's a oh yeah like it's it, yeah they're they're like a little it's not like violent but of course they're having fun with it they're yeah. not like set to destroy <laughs> each other and in, in my experience mosh pits are mostly people pushing other people to help people who are falling down up yeah that's that was my experience at least the last so, like, seven times they'll, they'll start like bumping into each other and then as soon as someone falls over they'll push like dude, 10 people oh, dude, over i'm sorry come on yeah. let's go <laughs> so yeah I, I just really like i don't know uh if jameson brooks is you know kind of grew up in that scene but he definitely showed that he has an understanding of that whole like the aggressive music uh, oh, yeah. scene in that sense and really comparing it to football was kind of just the right mood to show exactly how similar these people are regardless of uh, what they think about the other yeah there's there's a lot of things that I really enjoyed about this movie like uh, yeah. A the acting is, is definitely good uh, jocks were jocks I thought Pop- the the main actors were good yeah, but there were a lot of secondary characters where you know it, it kind of. I don't know if yeah, it was so much the dialogue as it was the acting, but it was just kind it, of. It was some of them definitely felt a little uh, <coughs> stagnant. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, you were right. The definitely the main actors, especially Brian's, like you really yeah, you Dave definitely Davis. just fought, you you clicked you clicked with him hard. Yeah, and then of course you hated the jocks, especially uh. 
Ricky. What's the one's name? Ricky. Yeah. Well, uh, he, uh, the guy who played him, Logan Huffman, he did a great job. Like he. Oh yeah. He like I was in awe of his character just because of how much I hated him, and yep. uh, and he when, did just an can, excellent job. When you can get people to hate you as yeah. an actor because of the <laughs> the, the yeah. portrayal that you've done, you've done it pretty well. Oh, absolutely! Good, good and I just love. I loved the little detail. I don't know if you noticed this, but it, it, throughout the majority of the movie, uh, Ricky has cornrows. Yeah. And then, and then when he's the, in court, he does yep. not have the cornrows in, yep, which is gone. really just it, it showed especially con- contrasted to the uh, um, the punk kids when they're in court. <laughs> they're dressed like how they normally are. Maybe yeah. a little like a, a shirt and tie, but like they still have mohawks and everything. But like yeah, it just showed how fake uh, that Ricky, the character Ricky mm. was. Uh, Ricky's really the only character in the entire thing that doesn't have like any redeemable qualities. Yeah. Because um, he's just such a little bitch throughout the entire <laughs> thing. Um, Ricky, we're looking at you, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the the acting overall was good. I did feel it was a little clunky. Uh, a lot of it probably had to do with dialogue. My biggest problem with his movies, it felt like it didn't know how to start. True. Um, like I, I, it kind of felt like, in a way, it was written. Well, it, it takes you. I don't. I don't. Half an hour. Half an hour to actually like, grasp what's, like, what you want to cling on to. Yeah, I, I mean, and for, where for, it wants to begin as a story mm-hmm. with mixing the two crowds. I yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, like I knew where it was going to end just because I knew about the story beforehand. Yeah. But like for someone who's not sure, I could definitely see them be like, "What's what's the point of this this movie?" Um, yeah, it just seems kind of out of place because and, they they even do kind of like a they did they did some like jump storytelling uh, somewhat throughout throughout the movie in the beginning uh, where it was kind of like, "Oh, here we're in court," and then "Oh, here we're doing this thing in the beginning of the movie," and then "Hey, mm-hmm. we're jumping over to this," and it was very jumpy in the beginning. But then it yeah. finally got to where it wanted to set its feet. I feel like it didn't feel like if it wanted to, it didn't know if it wanted to be linear or nonlinear. Because yeah. um, it, it starts with the court scene, which is kind of the end of the movie, but then for a long time does not go back to the court scene. So it kind of. I guess, you know, I could see what they were doing. Like, they're trying to make you understand where this is going to go, kind of build the tension. But then, like, 30 minutes later, they go back to it. So, like, it, it kind of felt like it was jumping back and forth, but not enough to really make it work, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, that's really just kind of more technical than, than the overall story. Because I obviously went into this not knowing anything about it, um, I actually thought... Uh, this was gonna be a story about one of the punk rockers uh, killing one of the jocks, like one of the uh, the good Samaritans, and then mm-hmm. like it finally got to, and it was actually the other way around. Yeah, that, that was. I mean, for somebody who you know didn't know that was coming, that was it. Was, yeah, kind of in a, a way, twist. I kind of wish that I didn't know what was going to happen, just because yeah. uh, you know, kind of remove the element of surprise. But um, a lot of it that I kind of focused on. Just because they showed the they they did really good character development with the punk rockers kind of showed that they weren't really violent people, but like just kind of were pushed to the edge and uh, in a way uh, cutting it with the uh, testimony of the defense or the the case of the defense where he's like, oh, they say uh, 
everything's violent, blah, blah, blah. They experience violence. Uh, I wonder how much of the actual case that the community's reaction and and prejudice towards them had on their overall action. I kind of wonder if it was a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. My entire life, people try to rattle my cage to force me to explode from the inside out, testing me trying to find my breaking point. My mother would say, son, step in from the cold, and my father just the same. He'd say, don't ever lose your self-control. But I opened the window. I let the cold air flow. I lost my self-control. In the end, it all really comes back to this whole Trump thing, like you said, though. In the end, neither side was really doing the right thing. Definitely not the jocks. But yeah. I mean, the punk rockers—they they, at some point they had to defend themselves, and of course they, maybe they pushed a little. Uh, yeah, I mean, they absolutely did not have to go to the the parking lot. I mean, they yeah. They, they, but it, it, it also could have been does some examine other that. retaliation. Yeah. Absolutely, and it doesn't really, it it doesn't really point blame at anyone else. Yeah. Other than the driver of the car, if uh, if for those of you who have not watched the movie or have not read up on it. Uh, essentially, one of the jocks gets there while the fight is going on and then, like, floors it and intentionally runs one of the punk rockers over. Like, by no means is this an accident. It's 100%. No, he fully um, fledged. So, yeah, like, it, it doesn't really... I mean, it shows that everyone's kind of wrong, but it, it really just... The, the whole thing is just kind of... How because this this kid who ran him over up until that point was an upstanding citizen, he did murder someone. I mean, technically it was manslaughter, and that's what he uh, ended up getting off with. But he because he didn't see jail time um, until five years later. But that the reason he saw jail time was because he he uh, violated his probation, not because of the actual murder. Yeah, that's that whole thing is ridiculous. Yeah, so it's it's. One of my notes here, <laughs> a lot of the, the defense, a lot of the defense's cases pretty much just kind of shitting on the entire punk community. Be like, oh, they they don't want to be a part of this, blah, 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 blah. He kind of deserved it. It was kind of victim blaming in a way, you know, yeah. he, he had it coming. This the, this uh, kid did the right thing by running him over. So one of my notes is just fuck the defender and his tight fucking ass. Oh, <laughs> see, I mean, he was doing his job, but man, is he a fucking prick? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm. I, I know that it was probably exaggerated yeah. for the movie, although I don't doubt that some of the things were said, but like yeah. they did such... Uh, I was just so angry anytime he talked. I was just like, you, oh, yeah. you don't He's get like, it, dude. Well, they, he ran somebody over. He killed yeah. him. He's like, yeah, but he did it for good reason. I'm like, yeah, really? Burn yeah. <laughs> in a pit of fire, friend. <laughs> and like, I, I mean, I did not experience prejudice nearly to this degree. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, my dad's a pastor, so like, I grew up in a church. The most prejudice I got is someone was like, hey. You know, even Christian metal music is satanic because they scream, right? And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> but but like, I can understand, like, people judging you, even people who have known you your entire life, just because, like, you decide to wear a T-shirt with a skull yeah. on it or, or listen to heavy music. Like, they they knew you since you were seven but decided to judge you anyway. Yeah. Um, it's it's really just – I, I kind of – I connected with that in, in a sense and, and – just I wanted to strangle that defender, and I know that yeah. would have gotten me my own court case and maybe my own movie. <laughs> but 
Yeah, I've, yeah. I've, 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 I don't want to brag. I've been in pretty much every click. I, it all goes the way it goes. It's uh, there's, there's no good thing like at one point. There's no no nothing's gonna be perfect. Yeah, people are gonna pick on people, and that's just the way it goes. Yeah, really. and it sucks. It does, but. Uh, the last thing I did want to say, actually, um, I really enjoyed the cinematography. Oh yeah, I think the cinematography was probably the best part of the movie, um, um, because th- these these punk rockers they they have their own light or lifestyle. Well, obviously they have their own lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They also have their own art style, um, and it, it goes throughout the movie, and they show it very well. And then the cinematography plus the art, and then like it's just one big art fest and it's, yeah. it's, it's and so it, nice they really like used fluorescent lights pretty well like yeah. uh, uh i mean i don't know if you know this but fluorescent lights if you shoot um that while using day daylight film which it, it's, it's all color temperature but fluorescent lights show up green if you sh- shoot it Essentially, mm-hmm. in a, in a certain way, and that's what they did there. And I thought that was they, they, they that does that happens with a lot of punk rock music movies. That's like a SLC Punk, which is another great one. Um, they do that. It, it kind of shows like the grittiness of it all, um, but it's also in a way kind of beautiful. Uh, yeah, that really just is. like a green tone over everything. Usually, it can be pretty ugly. Like in the Matrix, they do that in the Matrix too. But um, the way they did it in this one is is really, I enjoyed it. But yeah, the one thing that like I I enjoyed this movie, but like it didn't really hit me until because you meet Brian Dennehy's parents in the movie. And, you know, in every other movie, these parents would have been like, oh, you got to just change who you are. You got to become part of society. But they accepted him fully for who he was. And then in the end, when you see them mourning over their son's lifeless body, like I got hit in the br- face with a brick when that happened. Like, yeah, man. My that, God. <laughs> that, that whole like, just to see was just a yeah. fest of unhappiness. Yeah, really. next movie was the bullet because apparently it starts with a u b u the <laughs> bullet of, Buzz, of, of bastard scrubs <laughs> people are so easily distracted so i'm the distractor with a little story people can't get enough of them Because, well, they connect the stories to themselves, I suppose. And we all love hearing about ourselves. So long as the people in the stories are us. But not us. This'll tale to tale. 
Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, directed by the Coen Brothers, is an anthology film comprised of six stories, each dealing with a different aspect of life in the Old West. Uh, that kind of sums it up perfectly. Thanks, IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's it's not really a movie so much as six short films written and directed by the Coen brothers. Yeah, it um, really just feels like they they took like, how many, six episodes or whatever? Yeah, six stories, yeah. six episodes and just put it into a whole movie. Yeah, I, I read somewhere that they had been writing all of those stories over the past like 20, 25 years and <laughs> didn't, really, didn't really know what to do with them or like how to expand them or anything. So they're just like, you know what, let's just make it into a... An anthology film and just kind of put them all in one collection. Hey, well, um, here's the thing. I mean, it worked. It did work. It uh, did. The the first one, which is actually called the the first chapter is called the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, uh, it's got Tim Blake Nelson um, as as Buster Scruggs and. Yeah, that one was so goofy. My God, in a yeah. good way. <laughs> it, it, and all all of these ones have like kind of a different tone to them, and yeah, this one absolutely. just hits you right off with the comedy. Yeah, I mean, there's really no way to talk about it except for like just talking about each one individually because they yeah. are all so different. Overall, I would say it was it was a, a good collection. Um, there are a few that I didn't like, but uh, yeah, know. there's there's some that they were just slow, and then some that kind of just like dragged on a little bit. Yeah, but but the, with with the first one, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, he's essentially like this singing cowboy and he's, he's talking to the camera and narrating and, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, think, he's, think he's of Deadpool in the West. <laughs> he's, that is perfect for it. He's just, <laughs> uh, when, uh, you know, he, he just keeps getting into these inadvertent fights where he's, he's trying to be super polite to everyone and, and everyone's just trying to start a fight with him. So he just fucking murders them with a big old <laughs> smile on his face. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, yeah, it's that great. so funny. And yeah. who, oh man, this is going to drive me nuts. Who is the one dude? Dude popped up and I didn't even expect him at all and just goes away quite was instantly. Clancy Brown? That's the one. Yeah, Mr. Krabs on Spongebob. <laughs> that was that was so funny. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's just this. Uh, they actually won the Golden Acela Award for Best Screenplay at the Venice International Film Festival in Italy. But uh, it's <laughs> it's it, it has really great writing. Like each segment yeah. has its own like unique twist you, to you, it. And you got to go really into this thinking that it's like Black Mirror. Yeah, each, yeah, each, that's that's a good. Uh, not not saying that like it's got that tone of Black Mirror, but each episode is going to be like a whole different thing. None of yeah, these are like really none, connected. None of, the, at all. none of them are connected. I I was trying to find a connection. At one point, I was like, <laughs> uh, like is each one like a different point in the history of cinema? Yeah. And then I go like two into it, and then I get to the third one, and I'm like, nope. And then then you're just <laughs> sitting there looking like a Charlie Day meme. Yeah. Buster, Buster Scruggs, you shooting iron work. Appears to do yes, uh, but you know the the first one's really good. The second one uh, is is with James Franco, and essentially he's a bank robber and gets yeah caught. Uh, that one was okay. I mean, it, yeah, it, was, it was it was short, so I didn't really mind it. It was mainly okay just because the uh, <clears throat> the the dude who plays the bank teller just Stephen Root, kooky, 
just a yeah. kooky dude. <laughs> he always is, but he, he was really the only, I don't want to say the only redeemable quality, but he was the only thing that made it enjoyable. Yeah, he was the, um, the highlight. He was the only highlight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's, I mean, it's, it's short, so it's got that going for it. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I could take it or leave it. Then the next one, uh, do do you have anything else to say about that one before no, moving that on? No, was, that was really okay. it. Um, I mean, it was like not probably not even 10 minutes long. It was a yeah. short one. Then we got Meal Ticket with Liam Neeson mm-hmm. and uh, Harry Melling. He uh, he plays um, Dudley Dursley, uh, also known as Harry Potter's cousin in the mm. Harry Potter series. And he was actually phenomenal. I didn't realize he was such a good actor. Oh yeah, and and he it's it's about this uh, actor with no arms or no legs, and <laughs> and Liam Neeson kind of uses him to get f- money and yeah, he's kind of like that headmaster in like a freak show or something like that. Yeah, except for like but the, his there's freak only show one freak in the freak show. One. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that was a really good one. Uh, yeah, the Harry Harry, I can't. It's, he's still not popping up in my Harry Melling here. Yeah, Harry Melling. Uh, yeah, he was doing great with the whole Shakespearean acting oh, yeah. and stuff like that. And yeah, he, he really was. And then, um, I mean, I feel like that one dragged on a little it too did. long. It, it was it was a little too repetitive. Yeah. Um, and, and ultimately could have been cut I mean, by like did, five minutes. I, I did. I did say like. Uh, I mean, you can. You, uh, shit, you can like it and dislike it for how long it drags on because you understand like this is this is all this guy's life is yeah it's just a drag on of just another performance and just another performance and just another performance and that's like his whole shtick Mm -hmm. he ain't got no legs he ain't got no arms lieutenant dan he can't do nothing else (laughs) (laughs) oh that's terrible yeah um but I mean, you understand, but it's still, compared to everything yeah. else, it really just dragged on. Then uh, we got one of the other highlights of it. William um, Neeson? Yeah, I know. No, well, I mean, he was good. <laughs> I was going to move on to All Gold Canyon no, with uh, Tom Waits. Oh, uh, man, this one was actually, believe it or not, I think my favorite one. Buster Scruggs was my favorite one, but... Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's so hard to be like, hey, this one's my favorite one, because they're yeah. all like totally different in its own sense yeah really um, um but I, I really did enjoy buster scruggs but i think i really did enjoy uh this one yeah I, I, I liked it a lot because he calls the pocket of gold mr pocket <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna find yeah. you mr pocket <laughs> uh i mean yeah it's just a prospect I, the, all of these kind of i i really wish this was more so just one complete story yeah just because it'd be easier to talk about than all these mm-hmm. uh, all the different segments um but uh, the Cullen brothers decided to give us a doozy this one <laughs> yeah uh, um i i really did i enjoyed uh all gold canyon more than just hey mr pocket yeah. uh i thought the the whole like setting of where it was was just like if oh my god it was beautiful it was yeah, beautiful th- that's kind of like the running theme throughout is just they yeah. found gorgeous locations and, and had a, a great great cinematographer who was their cinematographer on uh inside lewin davis uh his name is bruno del bono mm-hmm. other than inside lewin uh, llewellyn davis, <laughs> lewin, davis. <laughs> lewin davis oh my gosh uh, <laughs> he, he also he did amelie um and across the universe uh both also have good uh cinematography yeah um 
but yeah, he, he really did a great job of capturing the landscapes. And another great example of that is the what the next segment was, uh, The Gal Who Got Rattled, mm-hmm. um, which I actually just realized why it's called that. Because she kills herself on the end. Whoa! Spoiler alert. Big spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> she gets rattled and kills herself. Well. Um, but yeah, it's got Zoe Kazan. This one was my least favorite of them all. Pro- uh, for me. Not, not overall. Not overall. I would say the James Franco one was my least yeah. favorite overall. But like it was this one was so it was the longest by far. But it took so long to get going. Yeah, it was that, it was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. not, not in like any sense that like it was. Oh, it was terrible. It was just it's really long, and then you. It's the same thing for over like five to ten minutes. Yeah, like it was every, again. It was repetitive. Yeah, uh, I feel like that was probably the Coen Brothers' biggest flaw with this whole, whole entire thing is it, it gets repetitive for the longer ones. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you know, in the last five minutes, I really enjoyed it when uh. I swear to God, I, I thought they were going to kill that dog. And, and Dude, for oh one second, God. I was like, Coen Brothers, I love you, but I'm 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 peacing out if that's the case. Yeah, I Luckily, was, <laughs> I don't want to say I was ready for it, but like I kind of saw it coming. I was yeah. like, oh, no. Oh, look how cute that was damn a cute dog is. <laughs> it was a cute pupper, but they, they did not kill it. So that's good. Thankfully. Um, yeah, it's this one. I think the length really hurt it more than anything. Um, yeah. You could have cut like a good 10, 15 minutes out of it and it would just still have the same impact. Yeah, I definitely think the last like five minutes was definitely a definitely the solid part. Of yeah, it. definitely. And then we got the final one, which you just watched. Yeah, <laughs> I decided before this podcast around uh, it is now almost seven o'clock at two o'clock or three o'clock. I was like, yeah, I'm going to make Thanksgiving dinner because I missed it yesterday. Yeah. And so I had to watch the last episode because I forgot that I missed yeah. it. And here we uh, are. This one is called The Mortal Remains and is about five strangers who have a conversation about, you know, humanity, people, death, all that. Uh, it's got Brendan Gleeson's probably the most noticeable person in it. Oh, yeah. Um, and dialogue wise, this one was my favorite. I, I loved it. I thought uh, oh, yeah. the guy who played the English man, uh, who is Brendan Gleeson's uh, partner, John Joe O'Neill, he he did a really good job. His, his dialogue was great. Um, but just the conversation in general kind of kept me interested the entire time, even though they're sitting in a carriage the entire segment, more or less. Yeah. So there, there's there's five people riding in this carriage and they're just like talking about past relationships and present relationships and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it's it's really intriguing like each each person had like their own different thing and then some people are singing and then some people aren't singing and then some people are afraid yeah it was really it's really quite interesting yeah and the dialogue is like really witty and funny if you really pay attention to it uh you could it's got that uh you know signature Coen Brothers dialogue in it, mm-hmm. um, which when they're on point with their dialogue, they probably write some of my favorite dialogue. Uh, everyone always talks about Quentin Tarantino's dialogue, but I think there is a, a, a charm and a, uh, a very specific kind of humor in the Coen Brothers dialogue that is often overlooked. Yeah. And then there was like a, a nice little, nice little twist Rooney in here that I, I, which intrigued me as soon as they said it. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And that's when uh, Brennan Gleason and, uh, was it Thigpin? It's Thigpin? Yeah, uh, John Joe O'Neill, they uh, announced themselves as the Reapers. And I was like, oh, is this, is this really dwelling into 
hell territory? <laughs> it, like, it, yeah, hell? Kinda, I, 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 I'm still going back and forth of whether or not it, w- it was like that or if they were just uh, kind of trying to spook the other passengers. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, but it's, it, it, it definitely created a uh, kind of a humor to it and also kind of a mystery to it that, that was intriguing. Yeah, I definitely like that, especially, like, you know, as soon as it got there and then the ending when they are all standing outside the house, it was really, they're, like, questioning their own sanity right now. They're yeah. like, <laughs> and they're all just, they're all trying to get the other one to go first. Yeah, so it's like, like, open the door, I'm a lady. Someone's got to let me down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, a uh, that last one was really good. I'm glad yeah. you made me watch it before yeah, I was welcome. like, hey, let me just eat and then let's get ready. No, Glenn, yeah. watch it. <laughs> no, watch it. But yeah, I mean, again, I kind of really wish that it was just like a, a, a complete narrative like they normally do. Um, either it's, either it's, that or I wish they would have just done like a Netflix series instead of just the whole yeah, movie. Yeah, I would agree. Um, even even though one of them is only like five, ten minutes long. But yeah. it's, it's just, you know, a lot of people, I see a lot of people comparing these as a whole. And you really can't because... Like the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, I absolutely love. The Mortal <laughs> Remains, yeah, I absolutely love. I really liked uh, the Gold Canyon, uh, all Gold Canyon. Um, but uh, near Agaldones, which is uh, the the James Franco one, um, meal ticket was okay. I, I liked it, but it was okay. And then the gr- the gal who got rattled, um, you know, I could have taken them or li- or left them. So it's it's just I don't think it's fair to the the mortal remains all gold canyon and the ballad of buster yeah. scrubs to throw them in with these um these you other ones yeah you definitely can't rate the whole thing based on like all you can't different and, things. and it's it's just kind of as someone who loves the coen brothers it's unfair to me to to, <laughs> to make me you can't make me do it damn to it. make me talk about these as a whole rather than individual efforts. So this Um, is why we've got six spots on this shelf this week. (laughs) (laughs) Things have a way of escalating out here in the West. My name is Ozymandias, King of Kings. That man is a wonder. Well, we'll just have to see, won't we? Ah, crazy business. First time. Again, last week we had the first film go onto the shelf, which was Outlaw King. Will Bomb City go on? Will the Ballad of Buster Scruggs go on? Will any of them go on? That's the real question. Stay tuned on the next episode. Stay tuned. Uh, let's talk about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs first. Um, you know, as much as I love the Coen brothers, I think they have a lot better work than this. If the entire thing was like those, one of those three things, like the Mortal Remains, uh, all all Gold Canyon, and the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, if they were, if those were extended or you know fully f- fleshed out, I probably would say yes. Uh, but overall, I'm, I, I just I was disappointed by it just because you know. I love yeah. me some Coen Brothers, and it wasn't up to their standards uh, as a whole, in my opinion, as their other films are. No, I definitely feel like uh, they could have probably worked on some of them a little bit harder to make them a little bit better. Yeah. But, I mean, 
they're all such different stories. So it's yeah, it's it's really just hard to tell. And then I guess I guess the one thing I didn't say while we were, they they did it in like a book, like they literally were like telling short stories from a book in yeah. They, the they movie. have a paperback book you can buy on Amazon. I might which, do that. But. Which I thought worked very well for the whole thing. That way it wasn't just like, oh, well, these are all just different things. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, overall, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if this belongs on the shelf, my friend. Yeah. Well, I mean, I already said no, and it's got to be unanimous. Remember? I know. I'm just so, saying. I just, I wanted to just nip it in the bud. You know, I got to rip it off really, like a bandaid. It hurts me to say that it doesn't deserve really to be just, on the shelf. It really but needed to be there. You, I needed you there with me. <laughs> we're here <laughs> we're here brother <laughs> uh but yeah that's uh ballad of buster scruggs does not make it i would say any other coen brother movie would make it in my opinion but not the ballad of buster scruggs and i'm real bummed out about it but let's move on to bomb city what do you think does bomb city deserve to go on the show this is a tough one my friend in fact, this is the toughest decision I'll make tonight. Do I put, do I give the, the audacity of Outlaw King the pleasure of company? I think I do. I'll be honest. I think I do. I think mm. I enjoyed Bomb City enough to where I could put it on that shelf. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that makes my decision even harder. Uh, I kept going back and forth with this one. Um, even more so than I did with Outlaw King. Like after I watched Outlaw King, I was like, absolutely yes, it deserves to go on the shelf. With Bomb City, I'm, I'm still not sure. Well, and I, would you like me to keep giving details just yeah, to try let's, to soothe you? Persuade me. Persuade me okay. why we should put it on the shelf. Well, the way I went into it was completely blank on it. I didn't know what was going to happen, and the punch hit even harder at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And. During the movie itself, I really, I was really enjoying it. I liked the, uh, at least the main actors. I was really enjoying the cinematography. I was really enjoying the story, not knowing that it was a real story. I just said that, but here we are again. I really (laughs) enjoyed the setting. I really enjoyed the artwork. But then the flaws, there's that first half hour that's kind of hard to grasp. But overall, I think, I think I really enjoy the movie. Hmm. Okay. Definitely a lot more than it's given a rating on IMDb, at least. Yeah. Which, which is like a 6.9. Yeah. Um, you know, I I really liked the last half hour or so of this movie. Uh, and the, the beginning hour had its moments. But I'm sorry. I, I just don't think it's it's worthy. I don't think it's... Uh, well, it's definitely say. a movie I suggest people check out. But I, I don't think it deserves you to, be, say, man. You, to uh, be on. <clears throat> Did I break your heart? Broke my heart. I'm sorry. So that does it for episode three. We got two more movies for next week. Well, I mean, I got one. You got one. because That's how we're going to do it from here on out. (laughs) So uh, what is uh, what movie do you want us to watch for next week? So it took me about three whole seconds to figure this one out, mainly because I did it the very last second of Mm -hmm. uh, before we started this podcast. But I feel like. Uh, I'm going to take a page from your notebook and go on to Amazon Prime. If you go on to Amazon Prime, there's a movie from two years ago that we actually saw an advertisement for when we went to Philly to go see some movies. And I was like, you know what, Mm. man? I feel like I kind of want to see that movie. And we never did. And I don't know if you did, but I definitely didn't that whole time. And it's on Amazon Prime right now. Are you ready? 
You ready, my friend? I'm a little nervous because if it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, I've seen it and I don't like it. But <laughs> let's let's uh, just go. With it. Rip it off. Rip it off like a band aid. Three, two, one. The Handmaiden. Oh, thank God! I thought, I thought you were going to say something else. I <laughs> have seen the, uh, the Serpent one. Is that what you were thinking about? No, I was thinking of the Love Witch. Oh, um, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> don't. Oh, dude, I, I almost that. forgot about that. It was so, I, it was not nearly as good as I wanted it to be. I thought it was going to be <laughs> funny. But I, I have seen The Handmaiden. I'm going to leave what I think about it for next week. Okay. Uh, but I, I am excited to talk about it next week. For the movie that I'm selecting this week, uh, this movie just came out on Blu-ray. On uh, on the twentieth, actually, uh, so go to your local Redbox to see if you can can rent it before next okay. episode. Uh, it's my current favorite movie of the year, Blind Ooh. Spotting. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. We already uh, we already talked about that. Yeah. So but next week are going to be two movies that more. I've already seen, but you haven't. So this should be this should is going to be a lot of homework for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> So those are our two movies for next week. We got The Handmaiden and Blind Spotting. Uh, as always, you can check us out on the Instagram, Keystone underscore film underscore review, because some bastard took Keystone Film Review. Uh, follow <laughs> yeah. us on Facebook if you want. And uh, my letterbox is Mike KFR. You can see what I think about movies all the time. I've rated over <laughs> 2,500 movies so far. So Jesus. Yeah, I have no life. And then you can uh, check me out there on uh, Letterbox. Mine's more original, obviously. It's uh, Glenn KFR. <laughs> so have fun. Well, I didn't yeah. uh, nearly review that many movies, well, but it's entertaining enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, Glenn, as always, it's been great to talk to you, and I will talk to you next week. I love you. I love you, too. Why were you rustling things? I'm rustling my heart for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> love you. Love you. Bye.